Welcome to another episode of Reverse Ambition, a podcast that features those who take a leap of faith to follow their dreams and passion. My name is Kelsey Cooper, also known as a social broker, and I'm very excited to talk to this young lady today. We've been homies forever, and I lost contact with her a little bit, but I recently connect, reconnect with her, and you know, she was in New York, um, living a life, working a nine-to-five, and now she just went and did her own thing, started her own company called The Sweet Faith, which is, please, Nina, oh, Nina Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, girl. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for being here. You look amazing, by the way. You're glowing. You. you are glowing. You got that nice teeth and everything. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm giving credit and giving love where I'm giving you flowers. <laughs> that's that's a new term. It. You know, they always say, give them to you while you're alive. So thank you. I appreciate that. You're thank welcome. You. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, So I want to take us through your journey to, first of all, I want to know what Sweet Faith is, Uh, uh the Sweet Faith, your company, just a, a, a quick uh definition of it. Yeah. So I actually started the company a little over two years ago, um, and it was actually off of the cuff of one of my old clients saying that she had wanted to work with me. And I wasn't for sure how to take that leap, but she was just like, I have always enjoyed what you do in corporate housing and how you serve clients. And I just feel like this could be a great connection. So we actually started the company out of assisting faith-based organizations but hmm. a few months after actually starting the company, she decided, nope, I can't leave corporate America. And so we parted ways. But I was like, I still want to do this. Hmm. I, I just felt like it was right. It was right timing. I felt good about it. I still wanted to pursue it. And I didn't know what the future entailed, but I was willing to continue to take that leap. Okay. So, so, so what's the industry that you are in? Um, just to kind of... So it's short-term housing. So essentially, um, I started, we started the business out of helping with temporary accommodations. Mm -hmm. So that's essentially what it is. So when I completely took it over at the end of 2018, it literally became assisting executives of minority-owned businesses with temporary housing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So So what examples in terms of the need? I I didn't know there was such a demand for temporary housing space. Uh, So why would someone need temporary housing? Uh, Executive need temporary housing? Well, why would anyone need temporary housing? So essentially, when you think about a short term stay, you're not just talking about a weekend stay, but you're talking about relocations, people in Mm. homes, closing and buying. Um, you're talking about um, entertainers, uh, you know, actors who are uh, mm. you know, doing a movie for six months. You're talking about right now during the pandemic, registered nurses traveling. Wow. Maybe, you know, housing. I didn't know this ex- industry really existed. And I'm in real estate. <laughs> I didn't know. It's been around for decades. I have worked with some of the major global, you know, uh, companies in this industry. Oakwood Worldwide is one of them, you know, furnished quarters in the Northeast, like they're top in the global synergy. Um, I've partnered with them. There are so many, you know, big heavy honchos, but specifically what my company does is I'm that middleman between what those companies offer and me actually providing those services through a woman-owned minority-owned business. Mm. 
So it, it gets to where I can actually put a brand together for you. I can, uh, you know, put together a lifestyle for you. So um, just ironically, when it came time during the pandemic for kind of me to transition everyone out of New York, because I had quite a few of my clients in New York. Oh, wow. And I moved back from, so I was in New York for 13 years. I moved back to um, Texas. Um, you know what? Hold up, hold up, hold up. I, we're kind of ahead of ourselves. Okay, okay, okay. I really want, um, I just really want you to explain your industry a little bit, but I really want people to know your journey and who you are and how you got to where you are now. And I got to the point where you got to the point where you're starting this company, like you just uh, shared a little bit ago, a while ago. So basically, where are you from, where you grew up, uh, where you went to college, what you majored in, and it starts from there. Okay. And then we'll yeah, you know, continue the conversation. Full speed. <laughs> oh, yeah, you went full speed. That's my fault, though, for, for not really... No, introducing you properly so I kind of like that was my cheat way no, of you do it you for me what? but I feel comfortable with you because we have known each other for so long so I this know. is just a it's know. you know it's just you know in the kitchen you know having you know a little conversation with my friend so mm -hmm. yeah this is this is good okay so I actually grew up in Arlington Texas which okay. is a, a suburb in um, the Dallas Fort Worth area here in Texas mm -hmm. um I went to Texas Woman's University. Never heard of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's 45 minutes um, north of Dallas. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's, it's an all-girls school, but it's not. Um, it was open to men by the time I got there. Um, but mm -hmm. no, no man is going to say they went to Texas Woman's University. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so I graduated there. With what did you major in? Business management. Okay. Right there. Uh-huh. Okay. I yep. see you. I see you, girl. Paid every dime for that. Yep. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I immediately, so growing up, I would literally drag my mother to open houses. Mm. I would be like, let's go. And then in the Just randomly, you were just like, I want to go yes. to open houses. I want to go to open houses. What I, age did you start doing that? On Sundays. Because I've always been fascinated with housing. Mm. And I always, not just housing, but I enjoyed furnished housing. So I wow. like looking at models. I always did. My mother, I'm sure she was probably sick of it. But on Sundays, I would just be like, oh, my God, they have an open house. Let's go and see. That was your hobby. That you was were weirdo. Hobby. You were weirdo. Like, literally, like, <laughs> third, fourth grade. I was, uh -huh. like, That's what I did. And then when I went into the grocery stores, I would always pick up apartment guides. Oh, wow. I would go through them and just, like, look at all the new stuff on the market and stuff. So I assumed that eventually I was going to be a real estate agent, you know, you know at, at a brokerage. Mm-hmm. But I realized exactly what that job entailed and the car salesman e part of that job. And I was like, I, that's not my personality. Yeah. I, I don't want to just sell something. I actually want to like get to know who you are, what you do. You mm -hmm. know, how can I make this whole situation a life for you? Mm. So, so I, that's what inspired you. I mean, I'm assuming that's what well, you, you're about to share what you did when you graduated from college, right? Yes. Okay. Let's make sure. Yes. I'm so ahead of you. when I graduated from Texas Women's University in 2001, um, I went straight into property management. Mm. And so I kind of, you know, worked my way up that, you know, ladder of, you know, sales and structure. And then I remember going to one company. Um, it was a top luxury company um, in uptown Dallas. Mm -hmm. And 
one of the girls said, well, I'm leaving to go work for um, a corporate housing company. And oh. I was like, what, what is what? that? <laughs> and so she was just like, well, it's the same thing that we do in property management, except for it's furnished and they stay for shorter periods of time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's the best of both worlds. Sign me right. up. So I literally co-called one of the GMs in Dallas and he wow. a few days later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, you so, go get her. I was, I was like, nope. I literally, when the yellow pages still existed, uh-huh. I literally went into the yellow pages, found their office. I called on a whim. Ironically enough, he answered the phone, but no, that was just all God. And literally I got with the company. And the reason why I got with the company, because I had already had planned in my head that I was moving to New York. Oh. So I made sure that they had an office in New York before I called him to get the job. Oh, not only do you ask for a job, you're like, I want it in New York City. What yeah. Yeah. made you think that you had the galls to really, you know, you know? I didn't. I didn't have. You know what it was? I remember having a conversation with my mother when it was time for me to get out in corporate America. And she always embedded in me that I needed to definitely live out my dreams mm. um, because she was a young mom, didn't get mm. a chance to go to college and kind of do all of these things. And she wanted to make sure that I, she saw it in me that I had the drive to do it. So she's like, I don't want you sitting here, you know, wasting your life away, go live your dreams. Mm. And I took a trip to New York, fell in love, literally cried on the plane. And I was like, wow. I'm to New York. What, 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 what made you fall in love in New York? Everything. And it was freezing cold too. <laughs> I know you, you were Texas girl. You're a Southern belle. Yeah. I, 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 I am a Southern belle, but I walked from 110th street all the way down to 59th street in the cold, in the freezing cold and wow. enjoyed every moment of it. What was it? What did you love about New York? The energy, the buildings, the cold weather. <laughs> You know what it was? It felt like a melting, which it is. It's a melting pot of Mm. anything that if I felt like if I could live, it's a cliche. If I could make it there, Mm -hmm. I could do this anywhere. And I Mm -hmm. could be really, really good at it because I would be able to talk to pretty much anyone from anywhere in the world. Okay. That's where they go. Okay. So you fell in love with New York City. You got this great opportunity in corporate housing and you moved to New York. How is that transition and how is that, you know, job? How is that? Scary. Wow. So, so I stayed on. So the GM in Dallas hired me. He said, if you want to transfer, you have to actually stay in this office for six months until mm-hmm. a transfer is available. Thankfully, literally at six months, New York had a position. Open. Wow. Look at God, so I, right? I had to interview for that position too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, I can't start you out in our sales division. I mean, you, he was like, you don't even know New York. You were late for the interview. I like, <laughs> I, you, I don't know what I can do with you, but right. I put you as like an assistant to, you know, one of the people in sales and, you know, we'll see what happens. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. That was like, a demotion. Was that was like, a demotion. It was a lateral move actually. Okay. So because it's Texas, New York, they pay more. So, oh, Okay. I got a little bit more. And of course I got to stay in one of the corporate apartments for a month. So, yeah. So I was living on the upper East side in a two bedroom, two bath 
and you know making a little over minimum wage. <laughs> wow! But your your housing was taken care of. You were good and in prime location too. Because again, when you work for corporate housing, there are certain perks that you do receive. Mm. So it all really worked out on its own. I mean, I found a roommate who was amazing. I like we still talk. We're still mm-hmm. connected on portals. Like she's amazing. Um, Diane, awesome. Like that girl is just, uh, just incredible. Mm-hmm. So I lucked up on the roommate situation. So I quickly found a roommate within that month. I also stayed with one of my friends that I had actually met in Dallas. So he put me up for um, a while too. So it took me a minute to kind of transition into my own place and, uh-huh. with a roommate, of course. Okay. And, you know, so I just really through that company working for them like four or five years, I just worked my way up that corporate ladder until, you know, I was lead salesperson, head of the department, you know, I just, oh, wow. Yeah. Just kind of kept going up. But then I got laid off because I was the highest paid. Oh, so that's how that works. Oh, yeah. So it all, but why why did you get laid off? Why did they do layoffs? Well, really? During that particular time, I was doing really, 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 really good. And mm-hmm. not everyone was doing really, really good. And so there were haters? There were haters? I wouldn't say that they were haters. It was business. Mm. I mean, in life, that, that's just business. Corporate you know? America for you, huh? It's corporate America. When you work a nine to five and they just feel like we could put someone else in that position to make a lot less. Uh huh. Um, and just, you know, develop their skills, you know, on or, or you know, from someone else who can be promoted. So it, it happens. Like even the guy that laid me off, I'm still friends with him. Oh, but wow. It's, I mean, it's business. My severance was nice. I'm not Okay. <laughs> well, at least, at least they took care of you a little bit. They did. So okay. no complaints. Um, I still have amazing people, you know, from Oakwood. It's like, so no, I have no complaints. You, you, you kept your relationships. I did, mm, you know, and it was just, you know, when it's time for you to go, it's just time. You yeah. know, it, it, a lot of times when I don't, know how to take the leap of faith i god is like okay time's mm. up, let's go so god was like okay you, you get you got too comfortable so Thanks. i'm gonna light some a little fire under your behind but i have to admit oakwood is where i actually really established my corporate accounts and mm. what i mean by that is like one of my first biggest accounts i had gotten was uh steve harvey and his oh okay show. and so i housed um, him partially until he, you know, set up his own situation, but his whole team management, all of that. Um, I did his whole platform for him the nice. whole time he was at WBLS. Uh-huh. So, um, that was like my first major one from there was some great entertainment referral clients. So, you know, Anthony Anderson, Morris Chestnut, oh, wow. Howard, um, so they all just came off. So of, you were building your Rolodex at this. And, and of course, it, and it was a call in, uh, we were having an event that day. And I remember staying back in the office to answer the phones and Steve Harvey's manager called and I wow, was, look at God. Yo, God has been amazing. Wow. Amazing. So you got laid off. Now you got this amazing Rolodex. What did you do next? Once you, and a, and a great severance. I did. So I really, um, I went back to property management and I actually got with one of the top development companies in New York, um, mm-hmm. Linwood, and they were doing, um, a new leasing project, um, in Midtown, uh, 38th between eighth and ninth. So definitely out of their customary white glove, 
upper mm-hmm. side development. Everyone's like, why is Glenwood, you know, kind of scrubbing it? Um, but it's literally still one of the best buildings there. So mm-hmm. that project, they have- I could tell you have a passion for, for buildings. I love what like- I do. It is stupidly insane. Oh about my God. How much I love what I do. I think people really. are going to hear you and be like, I want to do what she does. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fun. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, how it's not a broker. It's not property management, but they had a baby. And mm-hmm. so there's a corporate side to it, but there's also, you know, um, you know, environment of where you can actually have a relationship with these people. And even though it's short term, they're long-term because it's corporate. So they're going to continue to come back to you. Mm -hmm. So you constantly have a developing relationship. The bookings I always say oftentimes is that's just the icing. The cake is the development of it is, you know, watching this baby become, you know, a toddler to a teenager to Mm -hmm. an adult. So it's this creation. Mm -hmm. So when I got to Glenwood, I actually, they told me, it was like, oh, well, we can only hire you for a couple of years because that's, you know, how long the project is going to go on. I was just like, "Mm, okay. (laughs) But I knew with Glenwood that one, I'm going to make a lot of money. And that was Mm -hmm. the first position I'd gotten where I could make six figures without any problem. Mm -hmm. And I was going to really have the best time. They were going, Mm -hmm. they were going to work us hard because it was a lease up. And mm-hmm. I was like, it's two years. Okay, cool. I'll get my money, you know, whatever. But I was like, I don't see this going for just two years. So mm-hmm. the lease up happens and the, our team was so amazing. Okay. What's a lease up for people so that don't know? A lease up is basically when a property opens and it's completely like everyone's coming to okay. work in and get the best deals. Mm-hmm. So all the brokers, all the realtors of New York basically was like, if you're renting, I want to go here because I can get make some quick money because mm-hmm. I'm just trying to lease it up. Okay. So essentially it's, you know, where you get all the deals, you know, two months free, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And this two year project, we leased it up. We leased over 300 units in 11 months. <laughs> Were you out of a job then? In the winter by the way. Wow. Like we, st- we started right before winter and like finished, like it was, I remember snow boots and like wow. snow walking to work and stuff like, but no. So I stayed on because they were like, we want you to stay on. Oh, wow. <laughs> you, you, is it that Southern bell vibe that, you know, cause you, 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 you seem like a very positive person. What is it that make these folks fall in love with you? in terms of want you to be a part of what they're doing? I genuinely am happy about what mm-hmm. I do. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, even though for most of my career, it's been working for someone else, I don't consider it a job. I consider it a blessing that I'm putting a roof over someone's head. Mm-hmm. So it makes me feel good to know that I'm servicing someone. Mm-hmm. I always want to, to be a servant. Mm-hmm. Um, in some regard and and to do it in an industry that I love I hope that exudes off of every client that I I, right. I actually help how and many I, people of color is in that space it's I mean it's it's typical corporate America you walk in the room and you're the only you know chocolate wow shape. um but a lot of us just don't know about it okay um, right 
So the people that do, it's because they've, you know, done property management, you know, whatever, or they really don't understand the concept or they might see it better to be a broker or mm-hmm. you know, to be in pro- property management because you really do have to build something here. This isn't, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a, a quick fix thing. Someone calls in, you show an apartment, they sign a lease, they move in, you never talk to them again mm-hmm. until renewal time. Right. That's not this. Mm-hmm. This is relationship building. Mm-hmm. This is, I have your cell number. You have my cell number. You text me when you need to. I text, and it's not a nine to five. Right. So it, these are relationships I'm building. Mm-hmm. So I liked that. I always loved the design of it. I always like, you know, enjoyed putting things together and structuring it so that, you know, people actually found it to be a true home away from home. Okay. So I have, sorry, I did a ding. I don't worry. We're going to have to, uh, we could keep going. It's, we're going to have to edit that part out. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's all good. I put it on airplane mode. I don't know why it did. Yeah. Um, So after I decided with, you know, Glenwood, I was doing really, really well. They asked, you know, could I rotate throughout the different properties that needed, you know, help with lease up. So I did that as well. Um, and that actually got me an opportunity to get to know some of the other properties that they had because I really didn't know them. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a little bit. And then I, of course, got a little antsy and was like, you know, I'm doing good financially. I feel good about, you know, where my career is going. But I felt like if I had stayed with Glenwood, I was settling. Mm. And I wasn't being challenged anymore. Mm-hmm. And but you were making good money living the New York City life. How was the social? How was your social life? How you know? <laughs> exactly. So you you know you it was, made it. It was good, but I still knew I could do more. Mm. So I hadn't. I, I I just didn't want to give up. Okay. And, and they were actually shocked. They were like, "Why are you?" <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I was like, I just want to you know continue building my career, and they were like but why are you leaving? <laughs> right, 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 right. I'm, I'm, I'm actually asking that question. You know, a lot of people who leave a job is because they're mad. They're, they're not happy. They're not, you know, fulfilled and, you know, they feel overlooked or, you know, there are minorities for, in terms of us, people of color, they're minority in a, in a white environment and they feel like they have to put on you know, all day and be someone they're not. So, uh, but that's not the reason why you're leaving because you clearly was yourself and, you know, you were comfortable in your own skin. No, 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 no. Let, I mean, let's be clear. I still worked for someone. So mm-hmm. all of Nina was definitely not what Nina is today. On display. Okay. Correct. Okay. Um. So when you work in corporate America, that it, that's just the norm. It is what it is. You do not get to be a complete you when you are working for someone else and they're paying you to be what they want you to be, not necessarily what you want to be. Mm-hmm. So the work ethic and what I inspired to do was always there. That wasn't mm-hmm. to change. But the making sure I was on my P's and Q's and, you know, hosted, uh, you know, accordingly and appropriately, that was always, that, that's just what we do, you mm-hmm. know, in corporate America. So that didn't change. But I decided to get straight back. So I went literally property management, corporate housing, property management, 
at the lease up with Glenwood. And then I went back to corporate housing with furnished quarters. Mm-hmm. Now with furnished quarters, um, I had, you know, been out of the game for a bit. So they were like, you have no accounts. You cannot bring us anything. So why are we hiring you again? Wow. And I literally was like, because I know pretty much every broker in New York City and they can bring some of the top clients that you're ever going to need. And if you give me six months, I'll prove it to you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, and my boss was from Dallas. So I did okay. that whole Texas thing. Right. And he was like, all right, I'll give you six months. I was like, okay, cool. Uh-huh. And within six months, I brought them a multi-million dollar account. Wow. How were you able to do that? So brokers, mm-hmm. no one wanted to touch brokers because New York city brokers, they can be yeah. black licorice. <laughs> Let's just, you know, call yeah. it. I like black licorice though. Uh-huh. I like working with them. I like actually telling them what to do. I like, I like the hustle that they provide because when they are, you know, in it, they want to win. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to waste my time. Right. So I, I, that, I love that. So what I would do is, of course, on the company dime, I would, you know, buy them lunch or breakfast during their, um, sale, their broker sales meetings. Uh-huh. And so I would be like, hey, I'll buy your whole team lunch or breakfast. Whenever your sales meeting is, just let me have five minutes of the, you know, so I can pitch to them, you know, our product. And they would be like, yeah, sign you up. Okay, let's go. And literally that would just send me referrals after referrals after referrals. And then finally, within a probably about four months, mm-hmm. I got one of my biggest accounts still to this day. She called me twice. I remember her calling me and I was, you know, working on this other deal and she called me again. And I was just like, what? And she was telling me, she was just like, we have this other provider. We're not happy. And we, I, I, someone in the office, um, actually one of the owners of, of, of Corcoran, the Corcoran group, which is huge. It's Barbara Corcoran. Yeah. Shark tank. Uh huh. She's like one of the executives. They heard your pitch. We want you. Wow. To, yeah. So we want you to come in and, um, see if we can, you know, work out something. And then another deal like that came in from Douglas Element too. Uh huh. So it just happened. So my boss was being my wingman in uh-huh. the big time global account meetings. And he was just like, I can't believe you're doing this. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Wow. So that's how it kind of, that's literally how my career really took off. So Oakwood was kind of more, I did a lot of entertainment stuff, but furnished quarters became like my corporate accounts. So, mm-hmm. you know, big time fashion companies, banking companies, real estate, um, insurance. Um, it was a lot more industries mm-hmm. that I had never worked before. Right. That, I mean, literally kept coming in. So wow. yeah. I'm just trying to envision your lifestyle, you know, cause I know these brokers lifestyle cause I was in a real estate space in New York as well. And it's all about networking and networking with the right potential clients, clients that has disposable income and, you know, high net worth individuals. Oh, yeah. So I could envision the world that you moved in. You, you have a line of dime. Um, uh-huh. Lots of restaurants got a lot of my corporate money, um, <laughs> but you, you, you spend time with them. You uh-huh. know, you, you take them out, you get to understand them and know them as a person. So you don't screw up their housing. 
Right. Like, the people that are, you know, away from their families sometimes, like I said, for, you know, six months, sometimes a year. Right. So, you know, most accounts I will say in corporate housing tend to be around anywhere from a month to three months. So mm-hmm. that, that's a typical stay. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking to someone who is moving literally from London and packing up their life and coming over yeah. to New York, you want to do a little bit more than just be like, okay, well, here's some pictures online and yeah. let me take you to a couple of places. Okay. Pick one. No, right. like it's a whole experience. I had my own car service. Um, he was a small business. And so he set up all these luxury cars. So I was able, anytime I needed something, he was available to all of my clients. Wow. Um, so I got to take them around and, you know, beautiful bitlies and stuff like that. And, you know, just kind of, you know, lavish them out take them to the finest restaurants in New York city. And it was a great experience also for me to be in those environments because as I'm taking them around, I'm learning too. Right. And, you know, getting to know how to do this, even right. though, you know, some of them knew some of them didn't, you know, but it was, it was a great experience to have that because they would always come to me like Nina, what's the restaurant I need to go to this week. Can you call that one and get me? Wow. In? I was, I was that. Yo, I feel like your, 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 your life is a movie girl. Like I feel like someone could like, (laughs) like write a script based off the story that you're sharing. Um, it's just dynamic and it's dope. It sounds good, but it's, I mean, it's still a a story. There were still some bumps. There Mm -hmm. were, you know, still some curves. Um, like I said, I did get laid off. Um, yeah, so, but then again, you found this other opportunity. You say, "Give oh, me six months," and within four months, you brought this major client. So what happened when you did that? How did your boss react? He was shocked at first. I mean, he really didn't think. That Why was he shocked? Did. Why? Well, because he didn't know me. I, I came in after going back to property management for a little bit. You know, just basically did the job to make the money, mm-hmm. and then you know came back into corporate. And he was like, "You're not really bringing anything to the table." He saw my eagerness to mm. want to, you know, thrive, but you know, it's, it's New York. He's like, right. right, let me see what you got. Right. And right. So he took a risk and he bet on me just like I bet on myself. Mm. And still to this day, he's one of my mentors. Um, okay. I love Craig. He's just, I mean, I want to put him in my pocket. He's, he's a gift and extremely inspirational and kind. Mm. Um, and in New York, you find these individuals in New York city. He's a wow. good person. He's a really wow. person. So I love getting his Christmas cards every year. Um, so he's a great guy. So he trusted me. And mm-hmm. the one thing he did that I remember him being the first at is not micromanaging me. Mm. I hated being micromanaged. Right. Still to this day. Right. And he just let me kind of spread my wings. He was just like, you said you're going to do this. Do it. I got other things on my plate. So come to me when you need me. We'll talk at the end of the week and keep it moving. And that's what we did. And when mm. I needed him, he was there. Wow. So when I needed him to go on a double date with me with clients, he was there. Wow. You know, so it was it was those things. When I needed him to help me out with New York stuff, he was there. Nice. So I, I had a good team, but I also had, you know, a great um, mentor inside as well with another young black woman as well, who saw me being eager of wanting to really achieve this. And she mm-hmm. also helped me too. Mm-hmm. So I had, with everything that you do, you're going to need help. And I just mm-hmm. need help. Mm. So how long you stayed with this company? I was there for six years. Wow. So how long have you been in New York by this time? 
um, I was in New York six years. So I started in my sixth year and I was there for six years. So I left right before, right at my 13th year. Okay. All right. And um, what made you leave? I wanted to buy um, a home. And And you weren't trying to do that in New York? No, I was, but everything I wanted to buy was over a million dollars. And (laughs) Nina don't do renovations. Nina don't do, uh, mm -mm. nope, nope. But in a lot of ways, you've conquered NYC in more ways than a whole lot of people. It seemed like, you know, you were in a great space financially. Um, Your career was amazing in terms of you were doing something that you love, uh, you love the energy and the uh, the different dynamics your industry uh, provided and the challenges it provided. And you were like, you're going to up and leave it, leave it just like that? When it's time, it's your time. I've always known, and I remember Morgan Freeman saying this on an interview one time, because when he lived in New York, and that's before he moved out um, to the West. And I remember him saying, when it's your time to leave New York, it will kick you out. Mm. And I never thought in a million years I would leave New York, but my dog is choking. That's all good. <laughs> is he all right? <laughs> Yo, time. You just drunk some water in like. Oh, God. Oh, my. It's like a child. Um, okay, trust me, I had a one. I had a dog. What kind of dog you have? He's a Yorkie Bichon mix. Oh, he's it's a small little, little, small little puppy. Yeah, he's like 10 pounds. Okay, I had a 40 pounds beagle mix and Aww. I had her at three months and you know she, she changed my life and in terms of really learning responsibility to care for somebody else besides myself, especially yep. in New York City. And um really uh being responsible and taking care of somebody else and learning somewhat discipline it's also always my excuse if i didn't want to go nowhere i'm like oh sorry i gotta go go walk my dog and my dog is home so that kind of kept me off off the streets you know my excuse was always if you don't tell me that we got plans before i get home and take off my shoes (laughs) right 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 all right right all right so I remember watching Morgan Freeman and he said, you know, when it is your time to leave New York, New York will kick you out. Uh-huh. I had no desire of leaving New York ever. Uh-huh. Like, you know how some people move to New York and they they already have their exit strategy kind of planned out before they even get there? That yeah. Not me. Right. I was like, I'm a lifer. I'm wow. permanent. I'm uh-huh. not leaving New York. Right. But the winters got way too cold, uh-huh. way too long. And... I did get to the point where I was just like, I'm really wasting my money on anything. Mm. And like I said, what I wanted to, um, what I wanted to purchase, it was just way too much. Okay. And one of my friends was like, Hey, have you thought about Houston? And I'm like, why would I go back to Texas? That's right. crazy. Uh-huh. And she was like, no, 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 no. They, you know, if you go to Midtown, take a look at their townhouses. They're really great. I think it's the best of both worlds. Like, just check it out. As soon as I came, I was like, oh, wow, where I'm living. Wow. What, 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 what made you fall in love with Houston? Like how you fall in love with New York at one point. Now and you're I, in well, love. Well, I didn't fall in love. I'm not in love with Houston. Uh-huh. I like it. It's, okay. It is a good, I think I, I fell in love and married New York. 
Like mm. we, were, we had, we had a 13 year marriage. <laughs> you know, this is dating. I am dating Houston. Okay. Um, I love it because I still, because I lived in Harlem for four years of the time, mm-hmm. five years of the time that I was in New York. Um, what I loved about Harlem is what I get where I live right now here in Houston. What is that? I see black owned businesses. I see a melting pot of different cultures and people in Houston. Um, wow. In Houston. Mm. Um, I see the city supporting small minority owned businesses. Um, I see culture. You don't necessarily have to drive in this area. I can just hop on a bike and just, you know, go around. I can walk around. There's tons of parks. There's tons of activities. Um, there's a lifestyle here that you, you really do get the best of both worlds. Okay. So, and you know, like even when I was in New York, I would be like on the weekends, I'm staying in Harlem. I'm, you know, putting my money into my community. Right. Right. The same thing here. You know, I make sure I go spend my money on the weekends at black owned restaurants, businesses, and you know, what have you. That's so dope. I, I, I keep that in. So I'm not a suburban girl yet because. Okay. I thrive. So what did you end up buying? What did you end up buying? I bought a townhome. So it's four stories, um, 3,000 square feet. It has a beautiful roof deck that overlooks downtown. Um, it's it's great. And the first floor is an investment property. So it actually has its own private door, bathroom, walk-in closet, bedroom, everything. So I rent that out and it's like taking care of my mortgage. Wow. So, yeah. So it's, it, it has turned into an investment property and I probably, it makes my first home I've ever purchased. I will definitely probably keep it as an investment mm-hmm. property, you know, for a very long time. And it's under a million dollars. Yes, it is. Oh, wow. <laughs> like what I paid in rent, I pay in, well, I pay less in mortgage. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. So got an amazing property in New York and in a community that you know, you feel comfortable, you know, in. So what did you do in terms of career? How did you? Oh, so when my boss found out at Furnished Quarters that I was leaving to move to Texas, he immediately was like, I have a couple of people in Texas I could hook you up with. Um, Let me make a couple of phone calls. And literally, I mean, both of them was like, okay, are you available? When are you available? Wow. And so, yeah, so it was literally like a job handed to me. so once I came down to try to get, you know, everything settled into the house, two weeks later, Hurricane Harvey hit. Oh, wow. So as I'm watching my neighbor float across my, the front of my house in a canoe, <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> no, this is a, this is right where you just moved from New York. Two wow. weeks. Two weeks. So I hadn't actually officially moved to New York. So my lease had ended in my apartment. Mm-hmm. They put me up in corporate housing for a month because it was in between the uh, the third quarter. So he was mm-hmm. like, um, I can't pay you out your full commissions until you finish the quarter. So you can't leave. Right. So I was like, well, I'm not leaving any money on the table. So I went back and forth. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's when Harvey hit when I was getting my stuff shipped from New York. I and am laughing at the visual that you provided. You're you can't make this up. I literally have a picture. I'm sitting on the phone. I'm sitting on the floor because I have no furniture. So I'm sitting on the floor, looking out my, on my balcony on my second floor. And I'm watching my neighbor in a (laughs) one seater canoe. I don't know. It's not funny, but 
I'm like, you can't make this up. I'm right. like, what one, you can't even help anyone. It's a one seater. Why are you out? <laughs> what are you doing? So I was like, this is happening. So thankfully my niece was here because my niece had already moved here because she went to um Preview AM. Okay. And so she came and stayed with me during it and we slept on an air mattress uh with the and dog. your property was okay though. Um, Thankfully, yes. Yeah. So because it was a new build, you know, that first year is all development um, covered. Uh-huh. Um, the builder covers everything the first year. So my roof had um, a leak that they had to solve because I kept seeing water damage through the windows. So they took care of those. They took care of the roof. So thankfully, this is what happens, you know, the business, you know, what you could, you know, what you could get away with or what you what your rights are. Exactly. You know? So wow. thankfully, it was very minor. I was able to actually go up to the convention center, you know, help and serve, you know, the unfortunate. Because as I looked around, I kept having to hold back tears because I was just like, wow. I could have been in that same situation. Right, right. So I have to, I just kept, I literally called everyone that I knew I could think of. I'm like, I need prayers. I need prayers right now. Because mm. every time, like at night, I would open the door and the water would be right there. Wow. And I'm like, is this the day it comes in and floods my house? Right. But thankfully it did not happen. Praise Jesus. Um, I think that was God testing you. That was God testing you. Oh, he tested faith. me hard. <laughs> <laughs> that was God saying, like, how how much do you really believe in me and believe in the shot? Oh, that that was that was a scary time. Mm-hmm. Um but getting through that, I was it was exhausting, I have to admit. Because then the new job was like, okay, as soon as you get here, you kind of have to start. So I've never at that point had not taken a break. Mm. And I was getting to the point where I was just at my point where I had, I was at my breaking point where I was burnout, very burnt out. Mm. And I also felt like the new position wasn't right, even though the money was great. Um, And the people seemed you know, good, but I just didn't feel like I was even interested in doing the work that they wanted me to do. Mm. You know, it's funny. It's different because in New York, you were like eager, take initiative. You love everything about it. And this was a change. It wasn't the same energy. At all. It felt like a setback because I have to remember, even though it's still corporate housing, the environment of Texas and New York, totally different. Mm -hmm. And um, I, just I, in I what ways, in what ways, elaborate a little bit. I mean, it's. I just felt very circa 1992. It just. Mm, yo, it, you've outgrown that. I, I had completely outgrown what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. So no matter what money they could have thrown at me, I still would not have had the ambition to do the work. Mm. But I was also a coward because I did not acknowledge that and speak on it. Mm. And when it came time again, when um, an old col- a old client of mine in New York, when she was talking about, you know, going into business with me, I still was very fearful because I was just like, here's my out. What am I doing? Right. Right. But it was just like, I was just too afraid. Like, okay, wait a minute. But literally had a talk with them about my contract and they were just like, we don't even see your drive. And I was just like, Nope, you're right. Wow. I, I, that was the first time I just literally had to be honest with myself. And I was just like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. 
So you left without a job, without an exit strategy. Well, they helped me leave too. They were just like, I don't see how we can continue this relationship. Wow. If you don't want to do the, like, I could, I could tell myself, like, I would just go in like, oh my God, I'm here. Right. It was one of those. It wasn't, I had. But there's so many people who have that experience on their job or their 95 job and they don't see a way out. No. And they don't have the, 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 the balls or the, you know, the guns. Yeah. Growing up, you're not taught that. And and Mm -hmm. you are taught to stay at a job, go to college, get a good job and, you know, marry 2.5 children, picket fence. Like you are taught that that's Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. This book that I'm, I'm, I'm putting chapters in, this wasn't like the book that anybody had read in my family. They're like, what are you doing? Right. Right. Getting good paid money. You just got a house, you know, and you're just, I'm like, I'm quitting or, you know, you had a fired. Oh, you got fired. Yeah. Wow. It did. Cause it doesn't make sense for me to continue to do work that, I'm not going to do good, good at, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to say great. Cause I was great at everything else I did. Mm-hmm. I like, they were probably even expect mediocre. I had no desire to do it. And for a lot of other e- e- eternal reasons, right. Um, you know, in, in, inside, you know, office reasons as well. But I was just like, that's not how we roll. And again, the one thing I hate more than anything is micromanagement. Mm, oh, you and rather... this age in the game, and as long as I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. So when they did you your did you a favor and fired you? Yeah, they did. And so immediately I called the um, I called my old uh, client, and I was just like, "So I'm free now. Um, right? You available? And right? Like, when do you want to start? Do you want to take you know a couple of weeks off?" I'm like, I don't even know what a couple of weeks off means. Like, mm. can you just give me the weekend and we can just start planning this stuff out? And that's how it all began. I know you were talking about that journey earlier. So how did that, de- how did that develop, you know, the actual transition to really be- forming a partnership and forming a business and, you know, get to the point where you guys are actually uh, getting clients and servicing clients? Yeah, so SCORE, um, which I don't know a lot of people really know about. So SCORE is basically um, an organization that is started by other entrepreneurs, business uh, owners, you know, retired or or, or what have you, who are interested in actually just doing kind of community service work to help new small businesses get up off their feet. Mm -hmm. So we use SCORE um, to actually come up with and develop all of the plans and strategies that we needed to put together. I actually just so happened during that time found an incredible business coach who also helped me put together the LLC, Um, you know. Are business coach expensive? Because they can be, but mine wasn't, thankfully. Okay. Yeah, she was a black girl, um, black woman. She was absolutely amazing, still is. Um, and she helped me do everything that I needed to do to actually get everything like together. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, in Texas, it's, it's always going to be different depending on which state you're setting your business up in. Uh-huh. And she was still based in New York. So the one thing we wanted to do was make sure it was based here in Texas. How did you find her? Huh? How did you find her? 
my business coach came through LinkedIn. Oh, wow. So I saw a sponsored ad that she put on LinkedIn about how she was helping people. And I paid a monthly fee of like maybe I think 40 bucks. What? Yeah. You know, some of these business coaches are like a thousand dollars. Man, this is why I would love a business coach. Um, I mean, because. I don't know if she's still coaching now because she's with Udemy right now. Was she just starting out or was she just... No. she. So she also had started other businesses. So she's kind of a serial entrepreneur uh, and would sell them and then open another one. And, you know, she kept doing that. And so she decided to, you know, put this platform together to, you know, coach other entrepreneurs and how we could basically help each other evolve. Mm. And God... This this is why also I love my company name, the Sweet Faith. Sweet meaning you know kind of short term when people right think, right they think short, but faith. I not only leaped out on faith, but everything that I was not, I didn't know about, I was unsure about. Faith stepped in and took care of all of that. Mm. It's kind of like when people say, uh, "You as much as you give." like you were definitely going to receive. Mm-hmm. I felt every time I was able to just let go and let my faith do it. Mm. I wow. And it's because literally I'm on LinkedIn and her like sponsored ad scrolls through. And that's so random, right? Random. <laughs> Cause I'm not on LinkedIn like that. Right. But yeah. So I connected with her. Thankfully she was based here in Houston we connected and just put everything together. So she helped me like, again, business plan, um, setting up all of my structures, licensing, getting with the secretary of the state, um, franchise taxis, like everything I needed to know about my business and how to put it together. She walked me through it step-by-step. I'm very grateful for Brittany. She was awesome. Right. And so you started this business with a partner. Yeah. So she was in it for three months. And what happened? Well, some people just, you know, it's corporate America. When you are making good money in corporate America, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, it's been a few months and I ain't made no money. Mm. Some people can take the risk. Some people can't. And at right. that time, it was a great idea in her head that, you know, yes, this could be, you know, a really phenomenal thing. I, I you know, and she encouraged me to do it. Right, right. One of those people, you give me a great idea and you don't fall through with it, that's fine, but I'm still doing it. Right, right. I still believed in it. And I was just like, I'm willing to take whatever, you know, failures or losses comes my way. Right. How did, how did she bow out of the company? Did she? She literally was just like, like financially, she's like, I don't think I could, you know, do this another three more months, you know, financially Uh to not have a paycheck. Right. And I was just like, I, I, I get it. I, right. I, at that moment, I was just like, I, you owe me no explanation. And there was no, you know, it, it wasn't any hurt feelings or anything. It was literally a woman that I was just a few months before we started it. So I mm. knew exactly what that feeling felt like. Right. So, and during this time I was in a relationship and it wasn't going well. Mm. So I was dealing with that on one hand, then having to, you know, then having to split this, you know, partnership to now going to a sole proprietorship. Right. And putting all of that together, which actually happened during a great time because it happened right at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So for tax reasons, it actually worked out great. Yeah, that, yeah guys <laughs> had like a clean break. Exactly. 
Right. So no harm, no foul. We both wished each other, you know, much success and we, you know, kind of kept it moving. So, okay. So you on you know, you're, now you're in this business by yourself. Yes. In a horrible relationship. Yes. And not making any money. How <laughs> what happened? So literally I went back to my roots of New York because I had left for furnished quarters and I wasn't under, you know, contract of being able to, you know, assist old clients, it, you know, that um, had expired and elapsed. So I was able to actually connect back with clients before and not so just so happened. They were calling me. I wasn't calling them. They mm. were like, um, I don't care that you're not with them. Can you still help me? Wow. Like, actually I can. Now I can. Right. So it all worked out for, I started literally in Texas building up my business from most of my New York accounts that I actually used to have. And so I was, I was then partnering with furnished quarters to actually Mm. book my clients because the one thing I did not want in my uh, business, I did not want to hold any inventory. Mm. I don't hold inventory. I don't have a real estate license and I do not have investors backing my company. So those are three important things that I talk about in my ebook that I'm like, you have an ebook. I have an ebook. So I talk about this. My okay. ebook is basically move with faith. How I create, I took $600, invested it into my company. And within six months, I made six figures. Wow. Okay. Share a little bit of that ebook, right? I, I guess you're about to share that story, right? Yes. So legitimately old clients from New York were calling me for housing. I ended up booking them with, of course, my old companies and mm. they enjoyed the partnership because they were like, of course it's you. We would definitely wow. you know, work with you. And then my old boss wasn't with furnished quarters anymore. So he had left and went over to Synergy. So I had another partner. Wow. These other brands started popping up in New York through private owners. And so I started having relationships with them. So I'm just building, 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 building. While you're in Houston. While I'm in Houston. In a, yeah. in a horrible relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Keep saying that. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I really, no, because you re, I really want people to to understand that you, regardless, you have so many outs or excuses not to continue doing this thing. And, you know, you had a, you had a partner that got you into the, the idea of owning a business, leaving you high and dry, no harm, no foul. And you have a relationship that was not productive at all, you know, at all. And so it was a distraction, but you kept your eyes on the prize and you kept going. The most important thing I could tell anybody as an entrepreneur, if you are going to start a business, please make sure you love what you do. Mm. Had I started something that I did not enjoy waking up every single morning wanting to do, Mm -hmm. this would not be, you would not be talking to me right now. Right. Right. So that was really important. So as I'm building up my stuff in New York, bleeding money, Mm. this is about to get real, real. I'm bleeding money because money's not coming in fast enough. You know, you have to, you know, cover costs from your, your clients. And I have it actually set up to where it all exchanges once I get paid. So my clients pay me, then I pay the providers. Okay. And so I don't lose necessarily money from there, but everything else that I got going on that I'm paying for and all of that, it's like what, like what, how are you bleeding money? 
just expenses in general. Like I, I put in a lot of money in things that I shouldn't have like marketing and ads and um, other coaches before I found my great coach mm-hmm. um, expenditures that really was not necessary. Um, you know, getting an SEO together uh, at the beginning, setting up a website and paying someone like all of these things were not necessary in the beginning. It mm-hmm. really, really wasn't. Um, but I wanted to do them. So yeah, I did them. And, you know, between that mortgage, car, um, you know, there's living expenses in general, then I'm still traveling for work because I was always one of those people where I get in front of my clients. I, you know, mm. you're going back and forth in New York. I'm having... back and forth to New York, like every two to three months, back, wow. and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So it became one of those things where I literally was like, love my house but I'm not, you know, in a marriage with it. So I literally, after I broke up with my ex, I decided to move out of my house, rent it and left all of my stuff with my parents and just became a nomad and got on the road. Wow. Yeah. I was like, I, cause I literally, when I say I was bleeding, I mean, it got to the point where I was just like, if I keep this up, they're going to have a sign in in my front yard that I don't want. Right. It it got that bad. Wow. So I literally was like, I got to figure all of this out, like quick, fast, in a hurry. And thankfully Houston's it's like where I am. It's a great market. Um, Uh I got, you know, at least in, you know, um, a week or so. So I was in New York when the broker actually called me and I was like, let me get back to Texas. I'll start packing my stuff up so that they can move in. Wow. And um, so that was a blessing. And, you know, that all worked out uh, really great. And, you know, since I have I have the dog, my you know, uh, parents were able to take the dog and I got to do all of the things that I needed to take care of with my business. Me personally, like literally for my 40th birthday, I left and went to Bali um, on a private trip with just me, myself and I. Wow. My whole eat, pray, love thing. Yeah. And had the most amazing time. Uh-huh. Um, met some of the most incre- uh, incredible people, met and got to actually view some of the most incredible real estate um that that place has to offer. Um so yeah, that was that So you became happened. homeless technically. I did. <laughs> I got no But happily. I mean, be, and you think about it, you know, a lot of people right now are wanting to do that right now. Mm-hmm. And at the time I didn't think, oh my God, I just bought a house. Why would I leave and, you know, just like out of, out of my luggage, but it felt so right. So you say you got on the road, where did you go? So one of my other clients that I actually ended up getting um, right before the pandemic um, which is a client that I actually still service, um, here in Texas, the owners are actually in Israel. And so he's like, Hey, I'm flying to Dallas. I saw some of your work, um, through LinkedIn and I'm interested in actually setting up what he calls service departments, service departments, furnished departments, corporate housing, temporary services. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. It, just all de- it depends on the hospitality that you put into it. That's it. Right. And he was just like, I, I want someone to help me, you know, put this program together. And I'm like, well, I assist executives of minority-owned businesses and you don't really fit that criteria, but right, right. let me see what, let, let's talk. 
So he has some properties um, in the Dallas market. I, you know, took a look at them um, and I made some adjustments of what we could do. And he kind of told me the whole plan of what he was thinking. And I was just like, if you let me build this whole thing out for you, I could make it really incredible. Uh-huh. And so that means, you know, traveling back and forth. So between Dallas, Houston, Austin, um, New York, um, back to the South a bit, back to New York on a consistent basis, mm -hmm. um, having meetings out there for this new client in New York. Um, it, it just consisted, it just South, North, South, North, really didn't go out West much. No, mm -hmm. it's Scottsdale once. Um, so, so technically you stopped bleeding money because you're not, you, you know, you're not paying a mortgage. Um, someone's and, taking care of the mortgage. I have no expenses, literally. Mm -hmm. So everything that I'm making now cannot go to bills. It can actually go now to start paying down everything that I had to charge up, like, you know, business credit cards and everything else and start paying off this debt that I had made. And I was able to do that very quickly and then start actually building some liquid mm -hmm. so that I can get to a comfortable place again where I could just breathe. Right. And it, it got to that place where I literally did because, you know, between you said six months, six months. So during that time, I was able to build up, like I said, the New York accounts. I was able to get a government account. Um, I was able to get the uh, development account here in Texas. And with all of that, within six months, I was able to make six. And this was all based off previous relationships mm -hmm. you've had. It's a little over like 350 of revenue um, in that year. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you had no inventory and you had I no. Still I still have wow. no So this, have no everything coming in is pretty much almost profit. That's it. Yeah. Like literally, but, and it went longer than six months, but it took, like, I literally looked up at six months and saw like, oh, wow. Okay. Right. Like looking through my books, I was like, okay, this is going to be a good tax year. Okay, great. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So were you able to move back into your house then? I am back. How long it took you to do that? I waited a year. So the people that actually rented my house, they wanted to buy it. Um, but I was like, yeah, even though it says lease or sale, I actually just want to lease it. And uh -huh. like, okay, well, can we do it for a year and then, you know, give you an offer? I was like, okay, great. No problem. But the pandemic hit and their marriage failed. Oh. Yeah. So they could afford it. I was going to say, look at God, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was actually itching to come back to Houston. Like, uh-huh. Once you're, you're, you're on the road a lot and you're, you know, you're, yeah, it gets old quick, right? Yeah. You want like you wanted something stable. Mm, time's up. Yeah. So their marriage ended and I was just like, okay, perfect timing. And so when they moved out, I was able to move like literally right back in and they mm -hmm. took such amazing care of my house. They did. I could not have asked for any better renters. Okay. Like, look at God. Look at, <laughs> like I literally had right minimal things to do around here. Okay. So it turned out to be a, a, a true blessing. So able to get that, you know, together. And then of course, pandemic hit during the time I was building the Dallas brand for this client. And thankfully with that, we restructured it because his properties were close to hospitals. Oh. 
So the first thing I said was, we are not doing any corporate accounts. We are not doing any other industry. We are going directly to traveling nurses, all medical staff, and anybody else. We're going to all the recruiters, going directly to the hospitals, and we're going onto any platforms that directly, specifically target them. Yeah. Within six months, we were 100% occupied. Wow. That was that was very uh, quick, you know, quick thinking and, you know, great pivot. You have to pivot. You have. And I didn't even think that. So my company started out as assisting executives of minority owned businesses with temporary housing. But I also assist real estate developers and investors getting into the short term housing brands so they can create ongoing revenue for their real estate portfolios. Mm. Had the pandemic not happened, I would not even have that a part of my brand. But right. now, like now I can create short-term housing without even having short-term apartments. Right. You can't you can't beat it. So I mean, you're very particular, specific in terms of assisting minority-owned businesses. Aren't you, you know, walking away from a lot of business doing that? No. I always my motto is I mean, I I have become because I am a woman, because I am a small business, because I am very black. I'm I want to very say, black. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so black. It's just it's ridiculous. Are you still black? You know, moving in these white worlds, girl. Yes, I am. Yes. What, what, they, what, what kept you so black? Been, what kept you black? You know, we've always been there. The thing is, I am now representing me to the complete fullest. Mm. I'm walking in as me. I'm talking just like me. I'm building these relationships like me and I don't have to answer to nobody else but God. Mm. So that's what makes this so important to me. What excites me about it because it's a complete me. It's organic. It's original. And no one, I mean, anybody can do what I do, but you can't do what I do. Mm. So that's what makes it exciting. Right. Fun because I really do love what I do. Mm -hmm. So, and now it's your business, it's your sweat equity. You're getting, you're building your brand, you're creating generational wealth. Yes. Finally. Finally. That portfolio has diversified. Uh huh. She's got passive income. She's got, you know, you know, other things. She's hiring people. Um, You're hiring people. Yeah, I, I, I hire contractors um, to come in and actually work for me sometimes when I need certain things done that one, I'm not as good at like marketing. Right. I'm not right. you know necessarily great at marketing. So why would I not hire another entrepreneur or, you know, some young person um, of color who wants to, you know, build their portfolio up? Right. Um, so I, I, I want to be that tool, um, you know, and that link for them. You know, um, it's funny because. I don't necessarily see you much on social media. I'm not, I'm not on Facebook really. I mean, it's connected to my Instagram. Mm-hmm. I I have, you know, postings on Instagram, um, but I'm not, I'm not huge at it. I will say I'll, I'll try to give the knowledge a little bit more because I do want a younger audience to understand what I do. And I, I think a lot of them really would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and have more of us in this industry because I feel like that it's really important. It is another sector of real estate that a ton of people are making multiple right. millions, if not billion dollars, off of. Right. Um, 
and and you can hear that actually on on like Clubhouse and and how some of these people have generated volumes of income with no inventory. None. <laughs> so I mean, no liability. No, you no like, risk. In market no, no like risk. This, there's no risk. No risk. No risk. That's like the the best business to be in. So during a time where I guess you could say was at my worst and my lowest, I actually made the most on my own for the first time and had to prove to myself what I could do outside of a a corporate umbrella over my head. Mm. So I know because I feel like a lot of us have like a mental block, right? Because we don't know what that looks like. We don't know what having <laughs> not we don't know what's not struggling look like unfortunately because we feel like we always on that climb upwards and there's always either glass ceiling uh racism like really okay. stopping us so we don't know what that promised land looks like so but you they see, don't teach us that they don't right. teach us that we're supposed to know how to do entrepreneurship. I mean, I never took an entrepreneurship class. Uh-huh. You know, I took accounting classes. I have a business management degree, mm-hmm. but I don't remember someone telling me exactly what it takes to be a business owner. How did it feel when you reached that promised land where you're like, I am not struggling. I'm thriving. I'm creating generational wealth. I, my, I am at peace. I keep saying you're glowing. You got a beautiful smile. You got like an aura about you. And like, how did it feel when you first got there? I felt like I had finally did what I asked God. I was that I told him I was going to do. And that uh-huh. was listen to him. Mm. Because you know, all you, know these you keep things, dropping jewels, right? I, well, because you know what? I think that especially during the time where I was taking a job that I know I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have taken. I was in a relationship that I know I shouldn't have necessarily been in as long as I was in. I was doing all of these things thinking that that was supposed to be the way for me. And these were my next steps. What made you think that was supposed to be the way for you? Because I feel like a lot of us have a resume um, idea of how you should move. You should marry this type of guy. You should have this type of job. You should live in this type of area. Why am I leaving New York? It doesn't fit the plan. What, you know. We're trained that way. I mean, literally, I thought I was supposed to take it because, I mean, I have an amazing mentor. He mm-hmm. basically said, here's the job. There you go. Go do it. Mm-hmm. And it pays amazing. And you're welcome. Right. I mean, so how do you say no to that when you have now a mortgage? Right. Um, and then at that same time, I was a bridesmaid for three summers in a row. <laughs> right. So the person that I was with, I'm thinking, oh, so th- this is, you know, my calling. I'm supposed to be getting married. Mm. And so all of, but in the back of my mind, every time I did something that I wasn't supposed to be doing, he was talking to me. Mm. So but you know what? I think people, time. I think God be telling people what they need to be doing, but they don't listen. Don't listen. Because they're so programmed or trained to get in their own way to right. sabotage their own happiness, you know, and- especially as a woman, you get to a certain age. Cause at that time, you know, I was in my late thirties. Mm-hmm. So you get to a certain age and you're thinking, okay, everyone's talking about your biological clock. Everyone is, you know, saying you have to do this and do that. And all of these pressures of who you are supposed to be outside of your career has now taken a toll on you because you're listening to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that was me. 
Right. And I had gotten sick and tired of being sick and tired of listening to everyone else. So I exploded. Um, and we won't talk about that. But I had a moment. Explode. Why not? <laughs> well, because it was one of those moments where I'm not actually proud about, but it changed my perspective on what I needed to do to get myself back in line with the relationship I needed to have with God. Mm. So I remember getting on my knees and asking him, please, dear Lord, if you can remove all people and things out of my life, that does not get me back to the relationship I need with you and center my peace. Mm. I don't need it. Just please just get me back to that point. I thought it was maybe a person and just, you know, a couple of things like house <laughs> gone, relationship gone, job gone, like wow. real. But family members, like some of it still gone, got into therapy, um, which is totally recommended, uh, whether you're going through something or not, it, it, you, you go to the doctor for everything else. There's absolutely no reason why you should not go for your mental health. Right. You, just, you really, even if it's just a group setting, right. it is important for you to get in tune with what your mind is trying to tell you. Mm -hmm. So that became really an evolution of building me to who I am. And that's where, when we reconnected, I started talking to you about Dr. George C. Frazier. Yeah. One of my other um, uh, friends, associates um, on LinkedIn introduced me to him. And um, almost two summers ago, he had this series of, oh no, one summer ago, he had a series of lectures with like Les Brown and all of these amazing, you know, entrepreneurs and, you know, black business owners. And I mean, was, the lights just kept flashing in my head, like, girl, this mm. is your group. These are your people. This is your tribe. And they were talking to about and sharing real deep you know, intimate mm, information vulnerable. about their stories yeah. that is still available on his Facebook page. Uh -huh. um, it's just insightful to know how incredible, if you just put yourself out there, how people are willing to help you mm. and to know that there is another side to this, you know, whole thing called life when it comes to your career. Right. Um, I think someone once actually said not too long ago, a, a, a lion doesn't teach a gazelle how to get away from them. Like that's food, you know? So you have to think of life like that. Like we're the gazelles. So we have to figure out and maneuver how to get away from these lions mm. or become one. Right. You know? So you're a lion now? I'm I'm working my way. I'm a cub. You're a cub. I'm you know, a cub. You're an amazing <laughs> cub. Stay tuned. I have some really great things um, I'm, I'm working for 2021 um, that I can't share just yet, but I'm I'm a cub. Stay tuned. Okay. All right. So you you know you you're an amazing business. Um, you're an amazing you're an amazing space overall. So what life what does life look like for you now? Like you know you're going through a pandemic with your puppy and. You know, what is what does life look like for you now? Like what where do you find your your happiness? Um and where do you find your peace? Staying, meditation. I read a lot. I don't watch a lot of TV anymore like I used to. Because you're not on social media like that either. 
I'm not on social media like that. It's just not necessary. I don't like noise. Mm. Um, I know as Westerners, we are just, we are, are just accustomed to it. I don't do noise well. So I like to be at peace and understand what this word means above me. Mm-hmm. I enjoy getting to know me. I think right. for the first time, because the person who I was in my twenties or my thirties is not who I am right now at 41. Like Mm-hmm. I, this woman took a minute to arrive, but now she's here and I absolutely, I like her, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she's, she's a girl. And you're not married. You, you don't need a man to co-sign you, you know, I never needed a man. It's, it's nice to want one. I definitely, right. I still want a life partner. I still right. want a family. I still want things in life that I do feel like God put me on this earth to do. I'm just not going to press myself into situations to make me feel like I have to rush and do them. Right. Whatever it looks like for me. Well, that's how God creates it for me. So I'm going, I'm going to let him take, you know, front seat. I'm going to, you know, sit shotgun and I'll figure out what that is for me. But my happiness and my peace of mind that I have for myself, it comes through serving others. Mm. I've never served in this way before more in my life. Mm-hmm. And all I've ever done in my career is serve other people, but I've mm-hmm. done it through platforms that didn't belong to me. Like I'm completely free and not able to really be under an umbrella of someone else's privilege. Right. You right. Know? So I'm I'm building my own privileges. I was about to say, you know, you got your own privileges thing going on. Yes. So what's your uh, long-term goal for your business? Um, where, do you um, see, where do you see it in the next five years? You know, to really continue to help other young entrepreneurs getting into this game. Mm-hmm. I, I've never thought that I would want to, you know, teach or coach or anything like that. But I think that's also why I... Actually, I need a coach, you know. I need a yeah, business well, coach. <laughs> There are some fantastic ones. I'll definitely hook you I'm up. I'm talking about you being my coach. <laughs> well, you know, I, but we can talk. We can talk. No, nah, I'm just saying, you know, the reason why I'm saying that because you definitely, first of all, you like to give, you like to serve, and you like to share. Um, And you're glowing. I mean, your life, you know, you're at the peace. And anybody who, who experienced you want what you have. You know, thank you. In terms of that level of peace, that level of confidence, that that place where you are, you you know, you're building you, you're building your space, you're building your generational wealth, your legacy, all that. You know, you have a lot to offer. I mean, I'm I definitely... happy that I I enjoy being a student. All right. You know, you spend your whole like childhood trying to you know leave so you can be an adult. I am enjoying being a student. Um, I'm mm. a student of learning um, my relationship with God. I am a student of listening to my clients because had I not listened to them properly, I probably wouldn't have pivoted the way that I did, mm-hmm. which was the way that I was supposed to go. Um, I wouldn't have taken the leap and not been afraid. I would have been really afraid to like leave my house and and be like, oh, I have to do all of this because, you know, I'm losing money and blah, blah, blah. Right, blah, right. Blah. I mean, a lot of people are just like, F that, I need to keep my house, I'm going to get a job. Right. <laughs> but you right. went in the total opposite direction. I was like, I'm not giving up. Right. 
I'm not giving up. I, I, I refused. And in life, I refused to give up on me. Wow. Anybody Ooh. else can give up on me if you want to. I, Nina Lachey Taylor, she is not giving up on her. She, All right. When is your TED talk? <laughs> you got a bunch of TED talks in you, girl. But that's why I created the ebook because literally I'm one of those people when I figure something out, I share it. Mm. So why would I not teach someone? Because nine times out of 10, most of these kids are going into college and they don't need to be going to college. So what if I taught you something that you could do on the side while you try to figure out life? And it earns you a really good income and you get to be around people and socialize and tour and, you know, do these things. If you have interest in real estate and be in an environment where you can also understand corporate America, Mm. why would you not want that opportunity or at least have someone help guide you through it and see if you do like it or not? Right. That, I mean, because it's not when I say my, my mindset changed. So it wasn't just changing my mind, but you had to have a money mindset. Mm-hmm. So I got really good with trying to understand my money, how mm-hmm. it can grow for me, how it can work for me, how it can continue to be there when I'm sleeping. Like those are the things that they don't teach you and they are not interested in you knowing, mm-hmm. but the knowledge and the information is out there. I love watching the YouTube broadcast on Mondays, earn your leisure, money market Mondays. Mm-hmm. Um, those boys, they are doing a phenomenal job. I love listening to Dr. George C. Frazier and all of his lectures that he does. And now he's on Clubhouse, you know, speaking to people twice a week. I am inspired by these people and I want to learn the proper protocols of how to get my money right. Right. I mean, I think as, as, as Black people, and if we could have all these neighborhoods that we have, because we don't have any communities, but if we took our monies and actually took these neighborhoods and started building our communities we could really see a lot more generational wealth. I mean, there's a couple of people in Houston, some black gentlemen who are building up these, you know, black neighborhoods in all of these wards, especially fifth ward, that's not too far from me and creating multiple millions of dollars of communities. Wow. You know, so it's out there. And I think that Mm -hmm. we all can pitch in and, and focus on one big conglomerate of how to help each other. Instead right. of all of us doing all these separate things, let's get together and build something special. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of people who trust is a major factor in our community, right? In terms of folks like George C. Frazier, you know, these are teaching, you know, these teaching these gems, but they're like, oh, you're just trying to get me money, you know, and you're just spewing stuff that we all know. What do you say about people? Because I feel like that's a big roadblock we have in terms of trusting the experts, figuring out who is an expert. That's why I asked you about the social media, because there's so many experts, quote unquote, experts on social media. You can't really figure out who is who, you know, same thing on Clubhouse. You know, how do you- your market. So when it comes to like a product market, yes, that is true. Mm -hmm. When it comes to a service market, especially like If you look at my industry, say on like Instagram, it's not really there. (laughs) Mm, Right, right. Because I didn't know anything about your field at all. Yeah. So it's like, it's mostly realtors and, you know, other, you know, like property management and people like that. 
but to say, you know, serviced apartments and providers, there's not many of us. And if they are, they're more kind of an Airbnb format, which is not what I am at all. Mm. Um, it, it really is a, a niche. So I would say to people who do not believe in seeking out other people who are- And paying and pay, <laughs> for that coaches. Are, that are extreme. There's so many stories of people who pay these- you know, e-classes and these coaches and they're like, I didn't get much out of it, but I out like, you know, $2,000, $5,000. Or that's you feel a, like you could have just went to YouTube and learned it. Right, and, right. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that that's not out there. I've made mistakes in the beginning of my career for sure. Um, and spent thousands upon thousands of dollars on things that I didn't need. However, that was an experience for me to go through in order to know what not to do. Sometimes you are going to have to take the risk of doing some things that you don't think is right, but you get into them and you figure out if they are or not. So going forward, you know what that experience is like. So mm. you can't sometimes you got to go through, take that L. You got to take yes. that L. So, but I will say like a George C. Frazier, a Les Brown. Um, th- these are people that you. Could- I tried to sign up for a Les Brown course and I saw how much he was charging. I was like. Uh, but you can hear him free right now on Clubhouse. Right, right. There are portals and, and I mean, several videos on YouTube that you could mm. also hear from him. Okay. Go, go, go read one of his books. Like if mm-hmm. you can't do the class, like you have other options. The right. great thing about uh, Dr. George C. Frazier was when I wanted to talk to him, I shot him an email, like I shoot my shot. Mm. I shot him an email. He was like, give me a call in a couple of days. Call me at this time. He gave me an hour of his time. This is wow. a man who gets paid thousands of dollars to speak. Right. He gave me an hour of his time. Wow. And and knowledge and information that I still hold deep today because he's that deep. Wow. Like these are these are gifts and tools that you say you don't think you can get, but you don't know until you reach out to these people. Seem like it's a mindset shift, like you said. You know? It is a mind. You have to change your mind. That's why, like, you have these like people who've never had money in their whole entire life, and then all of a sudden they win the lotto, and then a few years later they're they're broke, they're broke again. Yeah, they don't have a money mindset. Right. You have in order to actually keep money, build it, and grow wealth that is going to continue to grow for you. You have to change your mind and understanding around money. That's not going to be taught. You have to go out and get it for yourself. Mm. Okay. All right. So I've just been doing the work. Mm. That I mean, at the somebody end of the day, told I me. To do the work. Somebody told me it's that simple. Just do the work. You have to do the work. No one's going to do it for you. Nope. And if you're sitting around waiting for someone to do it, then I mean, like women do. I mean, I guess you call them trophy wives or whatever, you know, what have you. But I'm not interested in wasting time. And right. I think for the past couple of decades, I had wasted time, but it was great knowledge on what I needed so that I could move into this season. Mm-hmm. So this is just a, it's a new season, a new journey for me so that I can prepare myself for whatever God has in store. Quick question. One more question. Oh my God. I, I, I usually try to keep my conversation under an hour, but we're going on an hour and a half, <laughs> but okay. you know, you, I think this is an important question. You found your peace. You found your, your tribe. How do you, you keep 
your peace and your tribe. You know, people are gunning for you because when you shine, people are going to come and try and get in your world, trying to distract you, trying to, you know, you know, that negativity will, you know, people like, I, you know, they, they looking at what you have and they said, oh, I, instead of them doing the work, I need to go and get with Nina and get in her world. How do you block those people? How do you keep those people out? I have to admit, I just don't have those people in my life. You know what? I learned what a narcissist is. Mm -hmm. I can see it coming from a mile away now. Mm. You see them. You see the vultures. You see them coming and you go. So when you don't have the mindset to understand what those people are and, and, and what they're gunning for and why, um, it's, it's difficult, but my tribe is small. Mm. I keep everything very small, very, you know, closed in. Um, and I'm not interested. I'm not saying I'm not interested in growing with other people and, you know, helping, cause that's what I want to do. I want to serve. But at the end of the day, it, there's an old Southern saying where, you know, when guests come over to your house, they're like, you can come in and you know, go into my living room, you can't come in my kitchen. Mm. So I, 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 I know you, you I know, have your boundaries. I have mm. my boundaries and I definitely, like I said, I know what a narcissist looks like and I know how to, to gun for it. And I know also when to shut it down, mm-hmm. you know, but I, but you have to have, I think a relationship with whomever, you know, you, you know, your spiritual power is for you. Um, mine is God. I am so close with him and connected with him in my life. And that is my priority. Mm. Everything else is secondary. So it's, right. it's him, it's me, it's family, and then everything else. Right. So even though I work my ass off in my company, that's not my end all be all. My first is going to be him. Then I have to take care of myself because I can't take care of anybody else until I take care of me. Mm. Then I take care of my family then I make sure I'm taking care of my business. So, well, you know what? I'm glad you say that because there's so many sisters who pretty much are disappointed in black men. Um, they, because they invest so much into black men before invested in themselves and they get disappointed. So like the term is I'm divesting myself from black men. What do you Setting think yourself about up a failure? Hmm. I feel like if you don't, because I've done it. So is the problem black men or is it the problem them not really putting themselves first? Anytime, and I I have to say this because I've experienced it for myself. Anytime you're just like in several relationships and things are not working out um, or you're feeling hurt or taken advantage of, or you feel like I've given all and I, I got nothing in return. Look at yourself in the mirror. That's when you need to figure out what you were not doing in order to actually be a complete total you. What you are not doing. Yeah, because you're nobody giving, else's fault but yours. You're giving, and I won't say fault. I will say the experience is teaching you a lesson that you do need to be taught for sure. Because mm-hmm. no one and nothing comes into your life without learning something. Mm. It's what you do with that experience. So with relationships and with men one just let me put this disclaimer out never leaving black men love my kings 
always going to be that ride or die. There's just too much of you. And why would I lower my standards? Mm. I just, that's the epitome of what I am. And yeah. So I love y'all no matter what. Well, you know, we're difficult. You know, we we got some issues. Not too happy about how the election turned out in regards to how y'all voted, but just saying, um, women, we hold y'all down and, and we always will be because that's what we do. We, we, we make sure our community is okay. Um, but I got you. I don't know what it looks like as far as, you know, my, my life partner, but I don't envision anything outside of a black man. Right. So what do you think about women, black sisters or or sisters who are just are done with black men because we've let you guys down? To be honest with you, I think it's a, it's either a phase or a, a cliche of some sort. Um, or they just might not know their worth. Mm. Well, you and, said something. You said you look at yourself in the mirror and figure out what you're not doing. Yes. To... Because when you are constantly not being taken care of in a relationship, you are expecting them to give you what you need to be giving you. Mm. So it's not someone else's job to make me happy. That's my job. Mm. I'm, I'm not saying that a guy is not supposed to take you out and, you know, go on trips and, you know, do great things. Yes. It, it, he is supposed to court you. That's his job. That is right. totally true. But at the end of the day, it is not his job to make you happy. That's mm. mine. Mm. You have to remember that. Right. And you set yourself up for failure when you perceive that that is someone else's job to do for you because it's not. Right. So you put, so sisters who are disappointed in brothers for whatever reason, um, they really need to really focus on what makes them happy and focus on making themselves happy first. Is that- I'm not saying don't completely, you know, just knock off. I mean, you don't know all black men, not mm. all black men are out to get you or use you or, you know, just you know, have you as arm candy or, you know, do whatever they do that, that might have hurt you. It could be just the type of men um, mm. that you're seeking. That's not necessarily one shade because mm. narcissists come in different colors, shapes, sizes, um, right. And, 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 right. and financial stabilities. Right. So you have to, you know, understand who you are as a person, love mm. yourself first. Mm. Don't, don't necessarily just look at a person for their color. Right. I love black men just because we are the only people on this earth who can't really justify ourselves based off of where we've come from because we completely lost that based off of our ancestry. So when I think of exactly what they have to go through, when I think of what I've had to go through, when I think of our community and the development and what I'm striving to do in my black community, in my black business, I see the love of a black man. But that's what I see. I don't know what that what what that entails, but I don't foresee anything else. Outside. Right. Only time will tell. But I I put black men on on a, a, a supreme pedestal because I am very grateful for the ones that are there for us. How amazing of a gift they are for us. Mm-hmm. So I I stand with them. Wow. You know, girl, I, I, I'm, 
I hear I got on here to talk about your business and you just dropped so many life lessons and sharing your journey in terms of how you became this dynamic businesswoman. Um, when is your TED Talk? And how can people really, uh, you know, get in contact with Miss Nina Taylor? Because uh, I feel like you have so much to offer. And I feel like, you know, I feel like you have another business in you, girl. Public speaking, you know, you think I did a lot in New York. As I said, when I would go to uh, those real estate offices, I would I would do my spills in front of audiences of anywhere from 50 to over 100 people at a time. You need to go um, to your community now. Yeah. So Clearly. It, I, I love the idea of speaking to like, you know, school kids, um, especially in that junior high school, high school phase. Yeah. because a lot of us don't fit into the world that we're supposed to go in. And I think that's why a lot of us fail because that's not our world, but we have a main, a, another world that's really greater than that. Right. But I wouldn't say it's failing. I would say it's giving up mm. because you have so much fear in your heart. You don't feel like even putting your, your big toe in. Mm. So you, you all of a sudden are like, nah, I, I, I can't do that. That's not me. You know, I, I can't be a part right. of it. So you're holding yourself back. I can't code switch. Yeah. yeah. So it's, right. it's that. It's the fear. Um, failing is something you have to do in life. So mm. you cannot get around that. That's just going to happen. I tell people I'm a product of my failures, not my successes. So get used to failing because all of these really successful people you know them as successful because they failed really, really hard and they failed forward. Mm. So there, there is no such thing as not failing. You have to fail in order to know exactly what you're made of. Wow. Like I said, <laughs> what is the next tech talk? How can people get in contact with you? We've been talking for um hour and 37 minutes, felt like <laughs> 30 minutes. Um, but I really... um want people to get to know where you are, how they could get in contact with you and um, how they could help you continue thriving in your business. So, so I'm like say you have an ebook. Where can they find that as well? Yes. So I'll actually, I'll send you the, the link to the ebook. Um, but it's also uh, linked on my Instagram page, um, which is sweet Bape housing. Um, that's my page. You can also go uh, to Nina Taylor. Um, and click on my personal page. It'll, and you can go into my business page. You click mm -hmm. on that link and that's on there. If you want a free consultation with me, um, you can also click my link tree in there and book a free consultation um, and do, you know, some one-on-one -on -one time with me. So I can see if, if I can help you, if I can't help you, I do have a great, you know, tribe of people that I can either refer you to or connect you with. So okay. I, I definitely try to, uh, uh, to be the connector any way that I can. Okay. Um, and of course, I'll be back and forth from Texas into New York um, this year for sure. And check out my website, which is thesweetfaith.com. Uh-huh. And yeah, definitely some more um, e-learning um, that I'll be putting out this year as well, too. Like definition stuff. Um, Listen, do videos. You look amazing on camera. This okay. is Zoom. You're glowing. Nice smile. Nice skin tone. Okay. okay. You know nice background so i'm just saying you okay. know. yeah well i mean stay tuned i'm, I'm definitely going to try to feel more comfortable because again 
I, you know, have those things where I'm just like, oh, I've always been good behind the scenes. So. No, I trust me. I, uh, <laughs> I've been living behind the scenes forever. And I feel like in order for people to really connect with me, I have to really, they have to get to know me. I have to share my story. I have to get in a platform where look at me, look at me. And I, I know people do that for the wrong reasons, but I do this podcast for me, for people to get to understand me, but also to understand my tribe. Yeah. You are a part of and the world that I so believe is so powerful, but nobody really knows about it, you know, and the mindset that it takes to create that world and to thrive in that world. And I feel like our people are missing out, you know, so there's so much money out there to be made. Oh my gosh. Just there's so much money out there to be made. Six figures in six months. That's right. If If I can do it, anybody can do it. I, right. I, and, and that's a, a true cliche to be true. If right. I can do it, anybody else can do it. But you have to, you have to want to do it. If this mm. isn't your thing and, you know, you love hair, Also get rid of that fear. You do have to, you have to face your fears. Mm. You have and to face your fears. Do you believe in fear of success? People do have a lot of fear of success and what that entails. Yes, because some people don't want to be, you know, as big as a Beyonce or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Mariah Carey or someone like that. Like no one necessarily, because there is no real playbook for it, um, especially for our uh, community. So to get there means a lot of things that you have to give up. And uh, a lot of times you've done something for so long, you're like, I don't want to change my life. Just you don't want to get out of your comfort zone. No. Right. You know, it's, I mean, leaving New York, going to New York, actually, you know, and not knowing how to deal with all of that, that was, you know, facing a fear of comfort, but it felt good. Anytime I've ever taken a huge leap of faith out on fear, I've never felt nervous. It actually made me feel good to just Mm. take the step. Mm. I don't know what that is for another person, but it's not butterflies in your stomach. It's just, I done got up and I'm about to take the leap of my life. Whatever, wherever I fall, may I land. Wow. That's simple. It's it's really that simple. We make it hard. Mm. We make it hard, but it's really that simple because again, in life, failure is going to happen. Mm. but you have to go through failure in order to be successful. Right. Well, listen, this is a great way to end. We could go on forever, girl. And I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your story with us. And I definitely see some dynamic, amazing things in your future. And I see you not in the background. (laughs) Thank you so much. I see you in the uh, forefront because I feel like you have a message that our community need to hear and you have a story that our community need to hear. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people will be impacted by it. So I'm, I can't wait for people to put this episode out so people can hear the story. Thank you so much. It's, it's been amazing catching up with you. We're definitely connecting and staying connected. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you and everything Girl, you've done as well. Thank you. You have, you have really been an amazing example 
for thank you people thank like you. me other people around new york knows so <laughs> the world is about to know so oh i appreciate it you know i'm gonna take that because you know sometimes when people put compliments on you you kind of deflect it and somebody told me just say thank you and own it you know and I'm learning how to do that. No matter how right. uncomfortable that is, I'm learning how to say thank you and be gracious. Get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. All right, girl. We've been talking for an hour and 43 minutes. And I ain't going to cut not one bit. Maybe the part about the dog. but <laughs> Yeah. And the ding on the phone. Oh. Uh, it's all good. I have a great uh, person that could edit, you know, do some edits for me. So, okay. Um, I so appreciate sorry you. about that. And I actually put it on airplane mode and it still did it. I don't it's know. It's all good. I mean, we kept it going though. Yeah. We kept it going. No, this you know? was good. Kelsey, I would always, of course, anytime do it for you. You have, and and this is not an understatement, you've really been a great influence. Everything mm. you've ever done has been positive, has been impactful, has put other people in rooms to network with really great people. That's so, my goal. That's my goal because I believe in us so much and I believe in us. I believe in our potential. I believe in how our culture and yes. I mean, I don't think we've reached our fullest potential. And I think there are things that's been holding us back. Um, us? And I just want us to have that breakthrough. Like, yes. like you have that breakthrough. I want us to get to that minute. promised land. It took a minute. But yeah. I'm here. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. It, everyone's journey is different. You, It's kind of like being in an abusive relationship mm. and try to get them out as much as you want to or, or dealing with the alcoholic. You can take them to AA meetings as many times as they want. To. They are not going to stop until they are ready. And, and there are some people who feel like abusive relationship is the type of relationship they need to be in because that's all they've known. That's all they experience. And people don't even realize they're in these type of relationships until it's either too late or they're lucky enough for, for somebody, you know, to be a light in their life to show them something it's true. different. It's true. And, I, and, I, and I feel like that's you. And I feel like this is this conversation. So appreciate you for be, being that light. And continue to be in a light. You're glowing. I'm telling you, you're glowing, girl. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Whoever your dentist is, you got. I don't care. I come to Houston. You got that <laughs> nice, dope smile. No, that's that. No, Doctor Kim Kakosian in New York in the Chrysler Building. That, okay. Yes. Yeah, you taking care of that teeth of yours? It's yes. it's, it's it's glistening. <laughs> <laughs> you need to make you need to make some toothpaste commercials or something. <laughs> I'm so just saying. Thank you. All right, girl. Have a good one. Thank you. All right. Take care. What up? What up? What up? Thank you for listening to another episode of Reverse Ambition. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and got some inspiring nuggets. Before you go, though, please remember to subscribe so you'll be alerted when the next episode is dropped. You don't want to miss out. And remember, it's never too late to leave and follow your dream or your passion. You can always leap back. Live your life with no regrets. Until next time, my name is Kelsey Cooper, a.k.a. The Social Broker. Peace.